0: Good afternoon, Margaret's episode hundred and sixty seven, the Speak a speech and language therapy podcast by me, Chris Wayne. speech Service. So I've been off for a while. Uh, not off, but quiet. Um I keep my head down. Um I've been a lot of assessments, uh, a lot of driving as per usual. <coughs> I kinda of wanted to to kind of touch upon um why I often advocate for kind of speech and language therapy provision itself to be put into education health healthcare plans or IDPs in Wales. Um, and the reason is that, for me, if a child has a speech, language, and communication need, then we need to have some level of provision, a speech and therapy provision, to meet that need. And as we're all told, and... Um, the media, as we see in Twitter, if you speak to any or the vast majority, not going to say any the vast majority of speech therapists that work within the the public sector, the NHS or local authority employed, um, you'll hear of kind of shortages of speech monotherapists. Um you'll hear of, kind of large case large caseloads Potentially long waiting lists. I know in some areas I've heard of waiting lists of, kind of six months to eighteen months for assessment, uh, triage only on the phone, etc. Um, and these services are stretched significantly stretched. And yes, they provide what's known as a core service, and in the terminology, in a lot of local authorities or NHS trusts. is a core service they provide, kind of a a level of Speech, speech language therapy service to those children that are on their active caseload. And that'll differ depending on the diagnosis, on the non-diagnosis, and the needs of the child, uh, and the, the position that the family are in, for example, or the, or the school, whatever school they attend, etc. But this core service is kind of a kind of a whole kind of service decision around a particular diagnosis, or a particular age group, or a particular locality. For, for, for that child. Um, they're not traditionally, uh, or now, maybe now, maybe traditionally they were, they're not around the specific needs of the child. So there'll be like a care pathway or a clinical pathway for autistic children or a clinical pathway for children with speech sound delays or a clinical pathway for um, individuals that have um, kind of fluency um, targets. And these clinical pathways, they do differ um, across the UK. I've worked in lots of different NHS trusts and they worked on some local authorities. And what one family gets in postcode one could get could be very different to what another family gets in postcode two or three. And it's just how kind of speech nice every managers and commissioners um, work together to, to to look at kind of the population's needs of that area. and is kind of limited resource um, as far as possible, but in mo- the most effective way. So we know that with some areas of speech language therapy, you can affect um, quick change, and that change can have an immediate effect on other things. So one area of speech therapy might be speech language therapy delay, or not speech delay, not speech delay, but speech delay, actually language delay as well. So these are kind of less complex children my eyes. Who, um, with kind of some direct intervention and then some indirect intervention, you can move them on in such a way that you may no longer, they may no longer have the speech my therapy needs. Then you have got the more complex children that have kind of continued needs and needs that may never go away and the needs that they become less complex or more complex over time. And these children don't often fall into the kind of this. Word, word delay, um, and the word disorder or another specific um, diagnosis might be given to kind of, kind of word or description to meet that child, to cover that child's needs. Um, I guess the issue here is we've got kind of local funds, how those funds are used, how many therapists are able, are available in terms of what's a, um, a resource that's often stretched because it's the NHS. And, government hasn't done anything at all to help us, um, in my opinion. Um, that's my thousand opinion. Um, compared to complex children, and the vast majority of children that I assess are complex in that they have more than one need. So they'll have a, a need in, with regards to occupational therapy or physiotherapy or um, educational psychology. So you've got the different areas of need, of cognition, sensory motor, um physical needs, but also communication and interaction need. So when you've got more than one need, which is a lot of children, and you consider children that have a diagnosis such as Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, children that have a diagnosis of dyslexia, and children that have a kind of learning disability diagnosis, autistic children, children with developmental language disorder, often have kind of co-occurring or comorbid kind of diagnoses and therefore you've got a multidisciplinary need and when there's a multidisciplinary need then they they're complex and complex is very difficult in terms of a word because complex to one person is not that complex to another um but i can i'd consider these children with more than one profession involved they're often described as complex um and obviously on a severity severity scale um, of how complex they can be and how many professionals that are involved and the, the severity of their needs. However, with these children, you've got speech and therapy needs that might kind of come and go because of even flow throughout their lives. Um, and when I see them, um, I have to consider, okay, what is currently provided by the core service and with the core service, it's often, it's often not that much of an intervention for complex children. So these are children that have maybe an autistic child um, with sensory needs who is um, kind of based in a specialist provision or based in a mainstream provision, but doesn't get any kind of uh, quantified or specified speech in survey. For that child, I might assess them and kind of prescribe in inverted commas a level of provision which I know the core provision cannot provide. And the reason that I'll be recommending it is because one, I feel I feel strongly that there'll be a positive impact of that intervention, but two, I want a ring fence. And the key, the key thing here is I want a ring fence and the amount of speech and language therapy between one review and the next review, So between this annual review, I'm writing my report for, or it's contributing to, to the next annual review, and at which point might the recommendations be reviewed and then the therapist might say, right, we we'll need to increase, maintain or decrease. And and this is why I'm often in hearing. So yes, the NHS therapist may, uh, may have this child on their caseload, but they are following the clinical pathway, the local cl- clinical pathway, which differs across the UK um, for that particular diagnosis. Um, they can't really tailor it that well um in that when it's a core provision a so core provision on within within a a, a speech therapy team in the NHS that core provision can usually in my experience be tailored to what the child's specific kind of provision needs are because it's core provision it's what every child within a within a specific location or diagnosis or age group or Um, should receive and it's often quite minimal but even if when it's not minimal there's no guarantee at all that if that therapist is no longer in post or if the if the the, the relocation resources um, or any any reason that the that the therapist no longer attends that location or has that level of specialism there's no guarantee whatsoever not ring-fenced that that child will receive any level of speech night therapy because it's not guaranteed in a legal document because core provision isn't guaranteed in a legal document unless it's written into an education and healthcare plan um and often it isn't written into an education and healthcare plan because it's not tailored enough it's not it's core provision it's not tailored around this child's specific needs um and it's not specific provision it's provision that's kind of standard provision for, for children that qualify for it and this is why a long way, long way around, this is why I advocate for quantified and specified levels of speech nice therapy provision that meet the need speech dy therapy or the communication interaction needs of children with education target plans and IDPs. Wow, I I need to find out what ITP stands for. Honestly, I could just Google it. I'm I'm absolutely rubbish, but I keep being asked by friends what I do. I I still individual development plan individual. I don't know. I need to I need to double check. Right, have a lovely evening. Um, I don't know what day it's Tuesday today. I uh, had day off yesterday. I no, I didn't. I suppose I had the day off yesterday. Um, turns out I didn't have the day off. I woke up at a wedding, a Greek wedding for the night before, and then had work um, two hours later. Which uh, thankfully I checked my diary for because it was two an appeal assessment and then uh, an ADOS. So thankfully I didn't miss those appointments. Right. Uh, Thank you for listening. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Good afternoon. Welcome to episode 167 of Speech Seraphim Murmuring, a speech and language therapy podcast by me, Chris Wade, Speech service. So I've been off for a while. Uh, Not off, but quiet. Um, I keep my head down. Um, There's been a lot of assessments a lot of driving as usual, <clears throat> I kind of wanted to, talk, to kind of touch upon um, why I often advocate for kind of speech and eye therapy provision itself to be put into education health healthcare plans or IDPs in Wales. Um, and the reason is that, for me, if a child has a speech, language and communication need, then we need to have some level of provision, speech language therapy provision, to meet that need. And as we're all told um, in the media, as we see in Twitter, as we speak to any or the vast majority, let not to say any, the vast majority of speech language therapists that work within the, the public sector, the NHS, or local authority employed, um, you'll hear of kind of shortages of speech language. Um, you'll hear of large case loads, potentially long waiting lists. I know in some areas I've heard of waiting lists of, kind of 6 months to 18 months for assessment, uh, triage only on the phone, etc. Um, and these services are stretched, significantly stretched. and. Yes, they provide what's known as a core service, and in the terminology in a lot of local authorities or NHS trusts, is a core service they provide kind of a a level of speech speech therapy service to those children that are on their active caseloads. And that'll differ depending on the diagnosis, on the non-diagnosis, and the needs of the child, uh, and the the position that the family are in, for example, or the, or the school, whatever school they attend, etc. But this core service is kind of a kind of a whole kind of service decision around a particular diagnosis, or a particular age group, or a particular locality for for, for that child. Um they're not traditionally, uh, or now, maybe now, maybe traditionally they were. They're not around the specific needs of the child. So there'll be like a care pathway or a clinical pathway for. Autistic children, or a clinical pathway for children with speak sound delays, or a clinical pathway for um, individuals that have um, kind of fluency um, targets. and these clinical pathways, they do differ so. um, across the UK. I've worked in lots of different NHS trusts and I've worked on for local authorities. And what one family gets in postcode one could get could be very different to what another family gets in postcode two or three and it's just how kind of speech therapy managers and commissioners um work together to 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 look at kind of the population's needs of that area and kind of spread a very kind of limited resource um as far as possible but in the most effective way so we know that with some areas of speech therapy you can affect um quick change and that change can have an immediate effect on other things so one area of speech therapy might be speech and therapy delay or not speech delay not speech delay the speech delay i see language delay as well so these are kind of less complex children in my eyes who um with kind of some direct intervention and then some indirect intervention you can move them on in such a way that you may no longer they may no longer have the speech and my therapy need and then you've got the more complex children that have kind of continued needs and needs that may never go away and the needs that may become less complex or more complex over time. And these children don't often fall into the kind of this word, this word delay um, and the word disorder or another specific um, diagnosis might be given to kind of, kind of word or description to meet that child, to cover that child's needs. And... Um, I guess the issue here is we've got local funds, how those funds are used, how many therapists are are available in terms of what's a a resource that's often stretched because it's the NHS and the government hasn't done anything at all to help this, um, in my opinion, Um, that's my thousand opinion. Um, Compared to complex children, and the vast majority of children that I assess are complex in that they have more than one need, so they'll have a a need with regards to occupational therapy or physiotherapy or um, educational psychology, so you've got the different areas of need such as cognition, sensory, motor, um, physical needs, but also communication and traction need, so when you've got more than one need, which is a lot of children, and you consider children that... A diagnosis such as Down syndrome, or palsy, children that have a diagnosis of dyslexia, and children that have a kind of learning disability diagnosis, autistic children, children with developmental language disorder often have kind of co-occurring or comorbid kind of diagnoses. And therefore you've got a multidisciplinary need. And when there's a multidisciplinary need, then they, they're complex. I mean, complex is very difficult in terms of a word because complex to one person is not that complex to another. Um, but I con- I'd consider these children with more than one professional involved, they're often described as complex. Um, and obviously on a severity rate and severity scale um, of how complex they can be and how many professionals are involved and the, the severity of their needs. However, with these children, You've got speech and therapy needs that might kind of come and go' sort of e flow throughout their lives um and when I see them, um I have to consider okay what is currently provided by the core service and with the core service it's often it's often not that much of an intervention for complex children so these are children that have maybe an autistic child um with sensory needs who is, um based in a specialist provision or based in a mainstream provision, but doesn't get any kind of uh, quantified or specified speech and therapy. For that child, I might assess them and kind of prescribe and in inverted commas a level of provision, which I know the core provision cannot provide. And the reason that I'll be recommending it is because one, I feel I feel strongly that there'll be a positive impact of that intervention, but two. I want a ring fence, and the key, the key thing here is I want a ring fence, and the amount of speech therapy between one review and the next review. So between this annual review I'm writing my report for, or it's contributing to to the next annual review. And at which point my, the recommendations are reviewed, and then the therapist might say, all right, we need to increase, maintain, or decrease. And and this is why. I'm often in hearing. So, yes, the NHS therapist may uh, may have this child on their caseload, but they are following the clinical pathway, the local cl- clinical pathway, which differs across the UK um, for that particular diagnosis. Um, they can't really tailor it that well um, in that when it's a core provision, a so core provision on within within a, a, a speech and therapy team in the NHS. That core provision can usually, in my experience, be tailored to what the child's specific kind of provision needs are because it's core provision. It's what every child within a a specific location or diagnosis or age group or school um, should receive. And it's often quite minimal, but even if when it's not minimal, there's no guarantee at all that if that therapist is no longer in post, or if there, uh, if there's the, a the relocation of resources, um, or whatever, any any reason that the that the therapist no longer attends that location or has that level of specialism, there's no guarantee whatsoever, not ring fenced, that that child will receive any level of speech now therapy because it's not guaranteed in a legal document because core provision isn't guaranteed in a legal document unless it's written into an education health care plan. Um, and often it isn't written into an education healthcare plan because it's not tailored enough. It's, not, it's core provision, it's not tailored around the child's specific needs. Um, and it's not specific provision, it's provision that's kind of standard provision for, for children that qualify for it. And this is why, a long way, long way around, this is why I advocate for quantified and specified levels of speech and therapy provision that meet the speech therapy or the communication and interaction needs of children with education healthcare plans and IDPs. Wow. I, I need to find out what IDP stands for. <laughs> honestly I could just Google it. I'm, I'm absolutely rubbish. But I keep being asked by friends, what's IDP stand for? I, I I still individual development plan, individual I don't know. I need to I need to double check. Right, have a lovely evening, um I don't know what day it is. Tuesday today, I uh, today off yesterday no I didn't I suppose I had day off yesterday. Um Turns out I didn't have the day off. I woke up at a wedding, a Greek wedding for the night before, and then had work um, two hours later, which uh, thankfully I checked my diary for, because it was to an appeal assessment and then uh, an ADOS. So thankfully I didn't miss those appointments. Right, Uh, thank you for listening. Take care. Thanks, bye.